You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. to another edition of the stardom road podcast here on the countout podcast network i'm your host as always scott edwards and with me as always is my co-host trent brewer trent how are you on this fine day i'm going well you know not a lot's been happening lately but i'm happy to get on here and do some podcasting get dive deep into the best promotion in wrestling and dive deep into one of the best factions in wrestling which is a nice little allusion to what we're talking about if you can't read what the topic is about today yeah so first off i just want to thank everyone for uh checking out the beginner's guide that uh, i know that went over pretty well with a lot of people they got to learn about the wild world to stardom and kind of set us up perfectly for what we're doing now we're finally going going back to the stardom road roots right we uh did a lot of current day conversation for the good folks at home uh in part of kind of making an annual thing out of it. Hopefully mm-hmm. we'll, you know, every start of the year, we'll do the tier list, which people loved. Um, and then we will also do the beginner's guide to help people out. But if you can read, you know what we're talking about today. And that of course is Donna Del Mondo DDM, uh, because that group is no more. So it's only right that we kick off our first ever faction series on the podcast with one of, if not the greatest factions in the history of stardom. Their domination of four years is unprecedented, um, and we will kind of go through what their history or what they'll go down as by the end of this. Uh, This first episode, we're going to talk 2020 and 2021, and then the second episode, we will talk 2022 until the very end of their time at the top. And in the third episode, we will be doing matches, key matches of DDM's history. So you can probably guess what some of those are, uh, but it should be a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to diving in to DDM. Yeah, look, when we were talking about doing this show, Stardom Road, and we are talking about the topics we can do, obviously wrestlers came up, titles and all of that. We had talked about factions, and we hadn't committed to a first faction to cover. I know myself, I was thinking, oh, we'll probably end up with Oedo Tai because they've got such a long and rich history, or even Queen's Quest because they've been involved in some absolutely pivotal moments. Donna Del Mondo wasn't the faction I thought we'd be starting with, but I also wasn't expecting Donna Del Mondo to pack up shop and finish up when we came into 2024. So, like, the big concern whenever we do these kind of episodes about current things is what if the story changes? You know, we can always come back and cover it, but it's always nice when the, the book has been closed, essentially. And with Donna Del Mondo, obviously there will be some ripple after after effects that will be happening, but the main story is finished now. They've written that book, they've closed it, they've sold it to the public. Uh, And it just makes it that much easier for us to go back and look at its impact because we can look at the full four-year story. Obviously, the 
future of Julia is why we are here. Uh, but if you look at the four years, it really does feel like they perfected the run of this group. Like the goal of it to the very end, the, the original three members, you know, win the world title, you know, it, like it almost all felt like this was supposed to happen this way. Obviously it wasn't, you yeah. know, like obviously certain things happen, but like when it came to an end, it just, it felt right almost in some, because listen, DDM of what we know it as was not the DDM we saw it as in the final mm. months yeah. of the group. And I think that's going to be fun part of this conversation because one thing for me is I'm just going to give like real time feelings for once uh so that's that's fun for me and I, I just remember like watching the interest levels and the fan the fan reaction to this group over the four years is really going to be a fun part to lean into because it was not as bright and shiny rainbows as it was when you know they closed down everyone's like oh no like i'm so sad like that if you if you, that happened three years ago people would have probably been amped uh but what things were able to change what this group was able to accomplish uh, i'll just start off by saying this before we get into it i always compare ddm to one thing and it's not another faction it's shirai's dominance in stardom like it's the only thing i can compare it to because they were always the story their story was really interesting because, like, normally you're looking at one wrestler and they've got one overarching story at any one time. But because Donna Del Mondo was a faction, they were able to, this is the wrong word to use it, but I think for people who were following as long-term fans at the time would probably agree, they managed to infect the stardom dialogue and the story, overarching story of stardom, on a complete level. Because you had all of these wrestlers coming in, especially that first year, year and a half, all of them were instantly positioned as major players in their respective areas. And you didn't see that with a lot of factions. They'd always start off strong when, when they began. We've seen that with the more recent groups like God's Eye. They come in, they do really well right out the game, and then they kind of peter back to being at a more respectable and even level. Donna Del Mondo kept that going for a long time and to a nearly absurd degree. And so it is fascinating to go back and look at it now when, you know, the, I don't want to say the rose-tinted goggles are at their brightest because, like, they were really good from the beginning, but there was such a hesitation to embrace Donna Del Mondo for a lot of long-term, at the very least, Western fans. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting, you who came into stardom just about right when they began. Mm -hmm. And then someone like me who was there, was there a few years and maybe is a bit more prone to the, oh, but what about the people who've been there from the beginning yeah. crew that still exists today? Yeah, I mean, I'll straight up say I love DDM. I loved DDM when I walked in. And they weren't, like, my favorite. They, they were never my favorite faction. Like, obviously, I leaned on Stars and QQ just mm -hmm. because, like, I went back and watched a lot um so like they were just the ones but i always liked what ddm was doing so i'm i was like in the minority for a little bit and then over time you just naturally saw that change uh but uh, a lot of that um uncertainty and non you know not committing to the group came of course with julia at the very mm. start right that was yes pretty much all because of her 
And it, like, it had nothing to do with the Shuris and Micahs of the world. It was all because of Julia and wanting to or not wanting to commit to her and how she joined the company and how she left her old company and how she went from zero to a hundred essentially in this company within a month. Like it was, mm-hmm. it didn't take long before it became very apparent that Julia was going to be a big star in startup. And we kind of see it sometimes with the newer signings now where I think like a lot of people do have that feeling, but none to the point of Julia where everyone's like this, just it, a lot of, a lot of Western fans. Cause that's obviously who I'm going to go off of here mm. did not want anything to do with her. And here we are by the end. And she's one of the most popular wrestlers in the world so it's crazy how things can change that is kind of the stardom dialogue in a nutshell someone comes in gets pushed hard to the moon there's uh initial resistance and maybe apprehension and then people get won over and maybe when things begin to even out they're more accepting but like we saw it with Atami. yeah the exact same thing she came in we talked about her on her on her first year episode we covered not that long ago she came in and like tore up the place and people whoa 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 what about this person what about that person then same thing happened with julia you know she came in and tore it up and it worked to her character like whether that was the very original intention or not it's hard to say because we can't get into the minds of Julia and uh, Rossi Agawa necessarily, but it feels like they almost would have known this isn't going to be well received by everyone. So let's lean into it and really play it off the character. And that led into Don and El Mondo. And we will see that once we're going through their early history and it worked out so well for them. And then Julia was just so charismatic and so hard not to appreciate, especially as she continued to improve her game that any, you know, lingering doubts or frustrations there was soon sort of for the most part washed away in the first two years of ddm so what we're talking about today i'll ask this before we officially jump in Mm -hmm. is it the most successful two years any factions ever had in stardom they won every title yeah, look, I'm trying to think now if there's anyone that jumps out, and there really isn't. Because, like, you can't just say, oh, Queen's Quest because Io Shirai and then Momo Watanabe. Yeah, they won some other titles here and there, but they didn't have the full cross-court dominance that Donna Del Mondo had. Now, at one point, they literally held every title, not every title, every person held a major title in stardom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like it was pretty much across the board until you know very late into the picture Donna Del Mondo. Like I don't think we're covering it in this first episode where Donna Del Mondo is without any championship. Yeah, yeah, those first two years, someone was always a champion in that promotion in that group. Generally, there was at least two people as champion. Almost always, one of the major titles was wrapped around their waists, and even when it wasn't. They were still a major part of the story. And, like, we, you look at the Tam, Nakano, Julia story where Tam gets frustrated that Julia, uh, you know, loses her hair, loses her title, loses the match, comes back, like, you know, a week or two later and is cooler than ever and is as popular as ever. That was kind of Donna Del Mondo. Even when they took a little misstep or struggled a little bit, they just seemed to be bigger and better than ever in short order. So it all starts on October 14th, 2019, when Julia officially joins stardom, that was not the immediate uh, start of DDM, obviously, sure. but it is Julia joining the company. She would not have her first match for a couple months that from there, but 
the immediate that show with Queen's Quest. Yes. This is the immediate shift, though. It's Julia coming in. Julia instantly making a name for herself now in stardom, leaving Ice Ribbon. And from there is where stardom dramatically changes from here on out under mm. Bushi Road, mind you. Like, this is fresh start of Bushi Road. This is them and Rossi Ogawa getting behind someone new right off the rip that wasn't in the company. And as I remember, a signing over stardom talent wasn't too loved. And obviously, in Julia's first couple months, a match with Hazuki didn't help her cause at all. When Hazuki was retiring, it was not all too keen of losing to Julia on her way out, and she made that as known as she did. Uh, but of course, uh, we've talked about this before, on this podcast, a match with Hana Kimura started to turn the tides for Julia at the end of the year. And that's really where we finally get to the DDM side of things, starting on January 14th, when Micah loses to Tommy Hayashishta, not in stardom, but in just tap out, of course, Micah's old promotion. Uh, she was trained under Takamichinoku, and, you know, everyone knows that story, I'm sure, by now. Uh, but after the loss to Tommy, Julia offered her a spot in a new group, officially getting the first member of DDM, which we would soon learn just five days later, would also be adding former UFC fighter, former, uh, you know, pretty solid independent Joshi star, Shuri. And that's just like the ultimate kick this into gear. I remember when Shuri came in and just like thinking, what is her role in the company? Right. Because she is a veteran. She's older than a lot of other free agents. You'd expect stardom to bring in. She has pretty much done a little bit of everything. She's coming from UFC and boy, oh boy was, did we learn what her role ultimately was? We we made the comparison to Mako Satamora kind of a bit in the Mako episodes, but or episode, I think it was one episode. Uh, but the veteran presence ultimately turned into like such a huge addition to Stardom. And as we know with these three, the landscape was forever changed in this company. Bringing in Shuri for Donna Del Mondo, like is a genius act on a number of different reasons. One, stardom, you know, was losing several key names and several veteran presences. Mm -hmm. And at this stage, we didn't realize I'd be losing some more um, after COVID. But like she came in like perfect kind of person to bring in with Kagetsu leaving because you wanted that extra veteran presence to really help out a young roster, show them the ropes, help them find the little things to make succeed. But then also putting her in a group like Donna Del Mondo because you've got someone like Julia who obviously she's come in the door and big things are expected of her. They have a lot of hope in what she can do. But she's only a couple of years into her career. She's still a little bit green around the edges. She's not the wrestler she would become yet. She needed help being guided, help sort of finding her way. And then you've got someone like Micah who is very young into her career. I think she'd only been wrestling for about six months at that stage. And so having someone like Shuri there to basically help guide them through those early periods 
Obviously, we know what would become of Shuri in stardom, and she'd go on to become one of the most protected wrestlers in the company, one of the strongest wrestlers and best performers. But when she first came in, she wasn't immediately pushed to the top. They very wisely had her in almost like as that dragon role where it's like, we're going to lift up these people because we know with Shuri, we can flick that switch at any time but help guide up that next group of people. And then obviously when someone like Jamaica would come in a little bit later, you've got that veteran presence just to train and guide them. And then when you're ready for her to you know, come in and dominate, she's there. There's really a long-term story of that with Shuri. Mm. Ultimately, like if you look at Shuri's run in stardom, she was always the one to kind of guide the way, right? When, when Julia falls out of favor after her big loss, uh, she's the first world of stardom champion out of these three it's like she was little did we know at the time when she joined she was going to be such a big influence for this group and mm. for stardom as a whole but she is as important of a signing as stardom's ever had because like you said all all of what happened during that time right and soon after this as well like shuri came in and, you know they also of course lost Arisa shiki to retirement and hanukkah who passed away uh, and she became all the more important, maybe even more important than she ever expected. You, you right? We just never know what the future would have held one way or the other with Shuri. But um, this is how you got DDM across because like it was so green and so new to wrestling as a whole. Right? She's coming right from JTO, mm. and I think the interest in here, interesting thing is here is that they did follow the usual tropes of a stardom new faction right you win the artist belts uh but they won more and more and more it wasn't just the artist belts right michael would go on to win the future julia would win the wonder after winning the cinderella of course and that's where everything just starts to click for this group it is full-on complete domination and it's very important to look at, like, obviously we're talking about the domination, we're looking at Shuri. People didn't realise how well they set up Shuri's character here because you look at her history in stardom by the time she won the championship, she was incredibly well protected for someone who wasn't a major player at the time. Yeah. It would she have been very lost. easy. No, she did not lose. And she was like, even when she wasn't the story, like you could understand protecting Julia because she just come in and you're pushing her to the moon. And they did protect Julia, but they could have had Shuri maybe be a little bit of a scapegoat there and lose some matches. They looked after her incredibly well. So when it, when they did pull the trigger on her to become the top champion, that dominant persona, going from more of a passive player to an active player, you had the story built up over a year and a half there where she just didn't lose anyways. And that helped bring the dominant allure of Donna Del Mundo because every faction, when they start, gets protected to a certain extent. Yeah, Even with someone like Micah, who is green enough that you could justify her losing matches, uh, they protected her as well. And obviously, like, that paid off well when she became the future of stardom champion and obviously looking into 2024 and she's the red belt champion. But they made a point to make this faction feel like something different. Even when the status quo is to make a group dominant, they put in that extra 10 yards with this particular group. Shuri, for these four years, is the most protected wrestler in the company. Mm. Right? We watched Julia lose many times. 
Yeah. We watched Michael lose many times. We, you know, like just not DDM only, but we watched so many other wrestlers lose plenty. Shuri, when Shuri loses, there's meaning behind it mm. these days, and it's because of how much she was protected. And like you said, I, back then you don't really realize it, but you know, looking back, it's like she was never, ever losing. Yeah. And she wasn't fully signed to this company until later in the year, mind you. She came in originally on kind of the, you know, not full freelance, but she was still doing other dates. And she mm -hmm. wouldn't become official with stardom until later in the year, which is, again, one of the biggest signings this company has made. And that's when they went full. They they fully commit to her, and she started to win singles gold as well. But before we get there, it was February 8th that they won those artist belts, beating the trio of Utami, Momo, and Azumi. Pretty notable trio. And that was the last time. Was it the last time QQ won the belt? I believe. I believe it is. It could be. I think it is, yeah. Because DDM lost to. Who did they end up losing to? Whatever. Not important. Uh, <laughs> but um, it jumps like between stars and cosmic angels, and then right. I think it goes back to DDM and yeah. You get my point. The, the the fact is, little did we know Queen's Quest would have touched these belts uh, much after that. Um, but let's continue forward now here. Uh, so uh, so a big thing for them, obviously, is that Julia wins the Cinderella tournament. This is where her push fully kicks into gear. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, COVID really starts to hit in full force and makes them essentially you know shut down for the most part they obviously hold no people gate and stuff like that but it was full-on shut down yeah. all the way until june 21st which was their first proper show back and ddm did not come by themselves adding a new member of course that being hameka really starting to make that original core because i don't think I think most stardom fans look at the true DDM as the five. Yes. Um, and as we know, based off of the past year, how important Hameka was to this group and its growth. And she was also someone coming in very green mm -hmm. still. Uh, and I think that's just so interesting what DDM was willing, not DDM, but stardom was willing to do with DDM and these wrestlers. Right, because you have the shirt, you have Shuri, but like you said, Julia was still pretty new to wrestling, and then Micah and Hameka. I mean, they are they were greener than green in many ways when joining, but they still just went fully behind them. Yeah, it's it's very easy to forget that the original core trio for Donna Del Mondo are not a trio for that long in terms of active stardom time, because obviously they come together mid January, they win the title start of February, by the end of that month everything's locked up it's covid lockdowns and stuff they come back for the two shows and obviously that's awkward because the cinderella tournament is one one of those shows and that's all separated mm -hmm. by individual matches and then you just get a tag match for the other no people gate with uh, micah and julia so like you don't get that long with just that core trio and then you get Hameka coming in at the very beginning of the return era for stardom and that's when yeah that dynamic begins to come through and I think, yeah, the, the core five that we will eventually see come through a little bit later is the group, but I yeah. don't think they felt like Donna Del Mondo in retrospect until Hameka comes in because of how important she is to the dynamic within that group. 
and she brings in something that is a, to me is essential for what makes Donna Del Mondo Donna Del Mondo. And that is that kind of they friends, they're very close to each other, but they're competitive with, with each other. They're not they're not afraid to go at one another when they feel like they're the best person in this group. It wasn't too soon after this that we'd st- start to see the dynamics in DDM begin to change when mm. they had to compete against one another. And that's a big point in their history, this group's history. And I think that's what makes DDM so unique, right? So many of these wrestlers' biggest wins came against one another. Mm. And I think that's just such a interesting story to tell within a faction, especially because of how long they lasted together, how long that they were on top for and things like that. Like this is an unprecedented move in some ways. Uh, and, and those relationships of, you know, someone losing to another person in the group and so on, that's how this group got better. That's how this group got stronger. Uh, but of course, Julia wins the Wonder Stardom Championship officially on July 26th, beating Tam for the vacant title. And, you know, that goes on forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're still dealing with those two. We'll get back to them. Don't worry. Uh, not too worried about that. You think this Tam will is... pop back up in this story? Yeah, a few times. Uh, it's just the, the way the Tam Road goes. She just makes sure she pops up in every single story 25 times. Uh, but. Uh, maybe the biggest change in the DDM dynamic is when Hameka defeats Julia in the five-star Grand Prix, right? Because that's the first time Julia takes such a big loss like that and a shocking loss at that. Of course, Hameka goes on to get to the five-star Grand Prix final, which is a big deal in itself. Uh, But beating Julia is the first time we start to see something happen in DDM between the members where Julia isn't the dominant force isn't the lead for it. It's Hameka that gets the big win. Yeah, obviously Julia's leading this group, but she's young enough that she doesn't have necessarily the experience to know how to handle the leadership role quite yet. Obviously, sure, he's there to help her and back her up, but like she's there. She's obviously, you know, on top of the world. Her ego is probably as big as ever at this point because everything's gone right for her. She's built this incredible faction. She's waltzed into stardom, beat everyone that they've thrown against her. She's won the Cinderella. She's won the white belt. And then someone she helps bring in and helps train. Yeah, it's not necessarily addressed on air, but like when Hameka signed with stardom, it was during COVID and she trained with Julia extensively, got herself a lot fitter, got herself looking, you know, you know, she comes into stardom looking completely different to when she was pre-stardom. It's a dramatic change. And Julia's helped build this. And then all of a sudden, the person she's helped craft, helped create, beats her and gloats over her. This is a very arrogant young Hameka who beats Julia and suddenly thinks she is the number one person in Donna Del Mondo. And you see this pop up every now and again in factions, especially like Queen's Quest, you see it at times. But it doesn't feel like quite the same butting of heads that you see here with Donna Del Mondo and would see in the future as well. Anytime one of them lost to another member it created a new story. It created a new something to focus on, right? Because in the five star every year, almost a faction member beats a fellow faction member. Right. And it's like, okay, whatever we move on, whether it's the leader or not. Um, Even so, like we saw 
you know, Nagi Sayaka beat Tam the year after this. And they went on to have a title and they they kind of did like the faction thing, but it's not like this because mm. this would continue and continue and continue. Um but before we get to Julia kind of getting back to the top of this group, we finally complete the DDM that everyone knows and love. And that is, of course, when Natsumi Maki, better known to the world as Natsupoi, joins Stardom, uh, makes her debut and joins the group. They had kind of teased this in the lead up. Uh, people kind of figured it out when, you know, mm-hmm. Natsumi Maki was disappearing from certain groups and i remember when natsupoi joined and and little did i think i know at the time i was like this was the perfect addition because she she brought a just such a different level to this group because everyone was kind of stoic and strong and you have the smaller natsupoi who brings a lot of character and charisma and a completely different in-ring style right like the other four are built to be main event style wrestlers Mm. and natsupoi is there to be not only their high speed option but at the time people expected to kind of be the one that eats the pins which is kind of funny to think about because obviously where natsupoi has grown to since then uh but the this five was it really did feel complete when she joined yeah look as much as like we can point at Hamaka as kind of coming in defining the group the group doesn't become truly complete and doesn't feel like the Donna Del Mondo that would win everyone over until Natsupoi comes in and even that like I think was a process because when she came in she adopted the mannerisms of Donna Del Mondo a little mm-hmm. bit more look she yeah. came out riding on Hamaka's uh, shoulders you yeah. could sense she's a little bit more fun and easy going than the rest of the group at this stage but she comes in with a little bit more of that arrogance and egocentrism that you saw in the rest of the group and it isn't until I think they've gotten used to each other a little bit more that they expand into that more friendly fun aspects that we see everyone in that group is perfect at doing they just needed the right timing and opportunity to do so but when she comes in with that core five she's riding on Himika's shoulders it does feel like okay this group is complete because every faction kind of needs that high speed wrestler to represent them beyond just the big bruising main event style as you mentioned and I think that's such an uh, important point, I should say, is that, like, these are a bunch of wrestlers coming together who weren't even in the company, you know, a year, a year before Natsupoi debuted. Yeah. Right? None of these wrestlers were officially in the company. We had never seen, well, Shuri obviously had stepped in Star before, but we had never yeah. seen them. And Natsumi. Man. And Natsumi did too. But in terms of, like, roster members Mm -hmm. and they're all learning on the fly together to not only get used to the stardom style and where this company is going but they're trying to get used to each other and i think natsupoi plays such a big part because she does bring the non-egotistic feel to this group and in the long term right we (laughs) listen if you saw this group then and then what within a year you're watching Micah and Hameka dance with Natsupoi in the middle of the ring. It's like, what happened, right? Like what happened to DDM? And I think that says it all of how important she was to this faction and the, the long-term dynamic. It's why when she left, 
like when she left, because I think when Shuri left, it's very different. We'll get to that. But when she left, I thought everything changed for DDM. I absolutely agree. Shuri was almost a necessary departure because she had grown to that point. And like we talk about the infighting within Donna Del Mondo, but they kind of realized they've reached a point where this is going to go too far. Yep. Uh, but that's the point leaving. Like you're not getting rid of someone who was basically competing for that leadership spot. You're getting rid of the heart of the group. Yeah. And it, it tore them apart, and you saw that in how they responded to what happened. And, yeah, we'll get into that later, but it's good to point out, knowing now when she comes in here in October, why it's such a big deal, both in the short term and the long term for this group. Uh, so the group's first major loss would come in November of that same year when they dropped the Artist of Stardom titles to Oedo Tai. Uh, and, you know, the Artist titles would change a lot. That's not... A big shock, but considering they held them for, I believe, 200, 280 days, they held the belts. Obviously, that's a big COVID deal at this played, time. COVID played a part in that, but still, that's a long time. And that's their first big loss, but it wouldn't hurt them all too much, as we know. Uh, Julia would defend the title against Jamaica on October 29th, getting her win back over the Jumbo Princess and kind of moving us forward now with Julia feeling more comfortable back in her mm-hmm. top role. I think that's, we, we saw that, right? Every time they wrestled, it's like, oh, Julia lost. Is, is this a new leader? It's like, you know, <laughs> she wasn't, for someone that came into this company so, uh, so in command, anytime Julia lost, some of that command fell, right? Some of that mm-hmm. leadership fell. Some of that things came into question. And obviously, as we see in 2021, that couldn't have been tested more when for a lot of the year, she didn't even feel like the leader anymore. Yeah. She kind of took a back seat. And that's what I think they were setting us up for is that anytime she loses, there's, there's this big uh, dramatic shift in how this group goes and obviously she gets her win back here, but that lead up to this was very uh, notable. It showed that her leadership wasn't assured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you've got someone like a veteran, like Shuri there, obviously there's going to be that latent kind of what if things change here, but when you've got an upstart like Kameka coming in and challenging that leadership, the way she did, even if it was only for a couple of months in very, you know, just the, over the span of two matches, it's enough to rattle the fence and it is important in, as you said, establishing what would come in the next year when it's not just the external forces of someone within the group impacting it, but it's very much just where she sits in the presence of the company. She was no longer assured to be the focal point, even though she couldn't help but make herself kind of find her way into the top spots regardless. It felt different than it did in this first full year in 2020. Soon after this, Micah would uh, lose the future stardom championship. However, Shuri would add the SWA title to her repertoire. And obviously we know how that reign would go. Uh, But that really was the kickoff to Shuri becoming a very important part of DDM and and her standing in the group. Because as we see in 2021, she'd become the unofficial leader in some ways kind of you know not only being the head champion because she was the one with the singles belt once julia lost hers 
uh, but she had to pretty much help Julia climb her way back up. So that brings us, of course, to the big event. March 3rd, All-Star Dream Cinderella main event, hair versus hair for the Wonder of Stardom Championship, and Julia falls to Tam Nakano. Yes, we promised she'd come back. Don't you worry. She did come back. Julia gets in. When hair, listen, if you're a new Stardom fan, if you're a newer fan to Joshi, hair versus hair in the world of Joshi is very different from hair versus hair in, say, the world of WWE. There's a lot of meaning to these stipulations. It is a moment of failure. It is a moment of kind of getting yourself broken down, and you have to then build yourself back up. And from this point, we watch that in real time. Julia, you know, we kind of make jokes of the GI Julia, and she completely transforms her style as a result. She went from the big match wrestler who did more technical stuff and a little bit more grappling to a hard-nosed brawler that we would all go on to love from there. Um, And as doing so after losing this match, like we, like I just said with Shuri, you kind of start to see the command change in DDM. Julia is always the leader, right? Mm. They never change from her being the leader, but for much of 2021, she did not feel like the leader. And it, this came at a very important time because earlier in that show, Natsupoid won the high speed title from Azami, mm. and in doing so. It reaches that point we talked about where every wrestler in Donna Del Mondo had a championship. And then, you know, the, the other one was My Himmer had the tag yes. titles at this point. But then just a couple of hours later, that's no longer the case. And the person who's dropped the ball is their leader, is Julia. And so for this period she's going through, and obviously her not being a champion doesn't last that long. And I will say that's the one area of Donna Del Mondo's storytelling in this period in particular. I wish they'd stretched it out a little bit more. Because the whole situation with Gio Julia, she came in, first match back without the hair. She wrestles Fookie and Death. She's starting from the bottom. She said that herself. And it feels like that was the only time when she was starting from the bottom. She'd come in, I'd challenge the tag titles against my Himmer, win the titles. And even though she's still finding herself and redeveloping herself, while Shuri is basically acting as the unofficial leader and dominating presence of the group, I wish they just waited an extra couple of months maybe to yeah. make the switch with the tag titles just to give that rebuilding uh, concept a little bit more weight to it. And not just absolutely because it would agree. have meant Himika would have held the titles for a bit longer. I absolutely agree, though. I do feel like they got a second chance of Julia getting hurt, if that makes sense. Because it, mm-hmm. like, it felt like the big bump that had to make her again reset yes. Uh, but I absolutely agree with you. I do think that had they waited even a mo- one more month, it would have just had a different dynamic because a lot of the fun in that early going was seeing Julia try to figure things out. Uh, but like you it's said, it's almost every- like they realized, like the whole idea was, oh no, she's embarrassed. She shaved her head. It's almost like they saw her with the shaved head and go, oh, she's still too damn cool to pull off yeah. this rebuilding aspect. So just screw it. It, it was like, I remember because the first time she showed up, obviously, she had the completely shaved head. She wore a baseball cap, uh, you know, the army pants and a tank top. And, and the then, aviators. like, 
yeah and then from there it was just like oh she's cooler ah shit she's even cooler uh man what do we do here <laughs> you know it <was> like, <laughs> like it's rare when someone gets their head shaved that they end up just being cooler especially when you're julia because like yeah. julia was already cool but as we saw through like her transitions of this look she just she became undeniable just by her appearance and i think you're right that might have been part of it they're like ah crap um but uh like you said everyone was champion at the time no longer but julia was no longer uh so shuri kind of okay levels up kind of you know the unofficial leader that's whose theme song's playing for example that's always important it's always important um but once again we get to see the challenges within a group when uh, shuri and julia come together as a tag team alk to make my life easier uh because i will butcher uh the exact name uh, but alk would go on to be a fantastic team obviously but they had to defeat my to do so and i think this was a big shift not only in the ddm realm for julia obviously kind of getting back on the horse but it really did feel like shuri was kind of leading her in in many ways through this group uh i remember when this match was announced and I even more so remember it when it was the main event and people were not happy. And I, I just to set a picture of like what happened on this show, being Priestley announced right before this, that she's leaving the company also in a completely non stardom world. Will Ospreay wins the IWGP world heavyweight championship and going into this main event. I think a lot of people that maybe that were watching live at the time were starting to almost be checked out because they're like, well, there's so much going on, <laughs> you know, but what these four went on to do in that main event was prove that they should have been the main event. And I think that's very key here because a tag title main event, especially at this time, Utami had now had two straight shows of not getting the main event as world of stardom champion. That was big. Like that was yeah. a big deal. I remember that vividly. It's like, are you going to, go with her or are you gonna like keep set like making her and the wonder only may have entered over once the tag belt it was pretty much like oh julia over everyone even though she's supposed to be building herself back up so that all goes into this there's still not full-on committed love to julia at this time or ddm because they are many eventing over the world of stardom champion but once this match is over i remember just being like wow that was that was fantastic alk is fantastic uh, but there even so if you were a ddm fan there were still many that were upset with the decision of Mahime losing the belts they did not get a long run with the belts and as we know now they never got another one why do you have to hit me in the heart and remind me? I know, like that? I know. It's funny though. Like we look at this situation, and I, at the time, I was one of the people who was pissed off. I will admit it. Like All Star Dream Cinderella, like it made a certain amount of sense because Julia Tan. They had the long overarching story, the hair stipulation. You could make the justification for that, and the white belt is, as we've talked about, pretty much on that level. The tag belts, though, it did feel like a bit of a slap in the face to Atami. Little did we probably appreciate the time that this story here with Itami not getting the main events is actually really important to her character development as champion. 
because she's walking away from these shows doubting herself and questioning herself because uh, she's meant to be the top champion. She's the one meant to be closing out, but they're not giving her these spots. And she's asking why, what do I need to change about herself? And it's through that self-discovery that she becomes the Itami that faces Shuri and really begins to unlock in the second half of her run as champion, the you know true queen of stardom, the red queen that she is. So even though at the time it was annoying, and frustrating to see Utami maybe not getting her opportunities, even if B Priestley didn't feel like a main event level challenger compared sure. to ALK versus my Hime. That decision not only set up Donna Del Mondo even more so, but it was very integral to Utami's story by the end yeah. of that year. So it yeah. was like a lot of things actually, when you look at the Donna Del Mondo story, it's a decision that you step back and go, really at the time and in hindsight, whether intentionally or not, it has actually worked out for the better. DDM had a lot of branches throughout the company because of what mm. they did and that's one of them right with the yep. tommy it almost like long term it's like oh that made sense it made her better it made her greater and it's not like she didn't deliver with saya kamatani at all-star dream Cinderella. That like that was that was a match that i think everyone walked away from like what the hell just happened who who <laughs> saw that happening right for both wrestlers not yes. just not just uh, Utami, but obviously Sai had all the doubt in the world of many because mm. they were like, really? They're going to put her in this spot? Uh, but we fast forward now here. So ALK's champions, Mahime takes a step back. And I think it's very important. But before we get to like what the big accolades towards the end of the year, because you knew they were getting back on the on the road, right? They were going to get they were going to be fine. Uh, but they face off multiple uh, matches in the Cinderella involve these wrestlers. Micah defeats Julia in the tournament. She ultimately go on to the finals before losing to Sai Kamatani. Uh, Shuri had beaten Natsupoi in the first round. All the meanwhile, ALK is beating the top tag teams of this promotion. They beat Momo Oz. They beat MK Sisters. Uh, but that brings us to maybe the most dramatic change, I think, in the world of DDM. And that, of course, is Utami Hayashishta versus Shuri at Tokyo Dream Cinderella. Everything changes from there. Not only with DDM, but with stardom, with everything. That match shifted what might have been plans for the next year to two years with DDM, Julia, Shuri, everything. And I think it's very key we talk about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Shuri, as we've talked about, she was incredibly well protected here. You know, she was treated like someone who was dangerous, difficult to defeat, but it never felt like she was treated as like they almost like Brock Lesnar type figure, that person with right. the real world martial arts experience who is just impossible to figure out, impossible to beat. And even coming into this match, like, they built it up well. This was a match with really good build. Both wrestlers committed to it. But it was in the aftermath of this match with the incredible 43-minute draw with Dave Meltzer giving this five and a half stars, which is still something that is almost proving like an impossible uh, metric for every other wrestler in Joshi to, to reach at this point. As you said, like it feels like the dynamics here changed completely because before then, Shuri was a dangerous wrestler who you could kind of use to build up others around them. After this match, it almost felt like, okay, Stardom realised 
they need to use Shuri to her full degree. And they did. Everyone was convinced around this time that Julia was going to be winning the five-star Grand Prix. The story uh, was there. The rebuild, the resurrection. Yeah, it, it 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 made sense. It just made too much sense. It's like, mm-hmm. this is stardom booking 101. Makes all the sense in the world. And that's when we fast forward to the five-star Grand Prix. And I think the best thing that ever happened to Julia is getting injured. And I don't say that in a bad way. Like, getting injured, you don't want anyone to get injured. Mm. But her road to the title and her road to full-on redeeming herself and getting to the top of stardom once again benefited so much from not being able to win this tournament. All you have to do is look at the general impression of Julia at this point and a year later. Fans had been starting to turn around on her in the yep. sort of the six months between her losing her hair and the five-star Grand Prix. There was the change beginning to happen. People were starting to come around on Julia, but it wasn't complete yet. And I think in a certain sense, people would resign themselves to, okay, Julia's winning the five-star Grand Prix. She's beating Utami. She's winning the red belt. And it was almost like a, we would rather it not happen, but at least like she's improved. She's proven herself a little bit more. The injury delayed that. In theory, by year, yeah, you know, we we sit here, we're sort of talking as if Julia was going to win as well. We can't know for sure, but it, you know, whether she was meant to or not, having to wait a year and giving her the story of well, she didn't lose the five star Grand Prix; she had to bow out due to injury, injury exacerbated by one of her teammates, no less, with the maker. That extra year got her to the point whereby. You know, 2022, five-star Grand Prix, everyone is all in on the Julia train. They want to see her win the five-star Grand Prix. They want to see her become champion. And just a year prior, that still seemed ridiculous. But they got there, and that extra year did everything to create that. As a result of the injury, of course, the story wrote itself, Shuri would go on to win the five-star Grand Prix Lock in her shot, the first ever stardom dream queendom at the end of the year, setting up the ultimate rematch with Utami Hayashishta. Ultimately, it all felt right in the end. Like, again, you never want to wish injury, but Shuri being the one to get that moment at the end of the year because of what she had done all year long, kind of becoming the unofficial leader of ddm and being the one to push her group forward when julia was down on her luck and having that match with utami that changed the way people watch stardom and making a lot of new fans as a result and making people pay attention Hmm. no one else should have been winning that tournament and obviously you know i'm looking back on it and obviously i know what would happen from there but even then when she won, it felt right. There was never a moment it felt wrong. I remember that was, it wasn't the first time that like, I think collectively everyone was happy about a DDM win, but man, it sure felt like it. (laughs) (laughs) Shuri carries that respect. And we've talked about it since she came into the company, but even amongst the stardom fans who maybe weren't as uh, enamored with Donna Del Mondo coming in and tearing up the place, everyone kind of like, yeah, but Shuri is 
she deserves all of this. She's that good. She's a you know, legitimate, believable top contender. And her rise to the top was so much more organic than Julia's because while they were pushing Julia hard, while they pushed to make her hard out of the gate, Shuri's just casually there, racking up wins, looking like a dominating presence, but never overbearing the situation. It all felt natural. You know, when uh, Julia falls short and loses her hair, Shuri's helping her, you know, pick back up and win the tag titles and regrow herself. It just all kind of makes sense. When Utami, who, you know, was, a mega push wrestler in her own right, can't get past Shuri. It all just kind of makes sense. And coming to that five-star Grand Prix, when Shuri ended up winning and then beating Tami, it all just made sense. It benefited Julia waiting the extra year. It benefited Shuri because she went on to become, you know, the top champion for a year, wrestler of the year in PWI, which was a almost crazy feat in of itself looking at it. And it benefited Tami because it gave her that true rival to overcome that her character needed as well. I think from here, obviously, the big story was no longer about the Shuri-Julia dynamic with Julia out of action. Instead, the change came with Mahime Poi. Mm-hmm. Mahime Poi would go on to win the Artists of Star, uh, the Artists of Storm Championships by defeating Cosmic Angels, who had been the most dominant champions of that time. They'd go on to break that record, spoiler alert, but we'll get to that at a later time. Uh, but the big story, of course, was the drama between Natsupoi and Hameka that would begin to unfold. And there was a lot of points here. It was very confusing at the time because it's like, what? Why? <laughs> it's like, why is this happening? They just won the belts. Everything should be good. Uh, but it was, again, proving that DDM controlled the headlines, right? Even with Julia not even around. Shuri waiting to get her big match. They're still having this big story going on to close out the year. I love this story for for several reasons. One of it's because it involved some of my favorite wrestlers in stardom. But it was also a title that even though championships were involved, Mm -hmm. they were secondary. Like the fact that they were champions only added to the drama, but it wasn't the reason for the drama. And it all kind of came about during the tag league primarily when Himika and Natsupoi were paired together. They had the press conference. Natsupoi brings out a contract for Himika to sign, basically saying, you will not leave me, you will not abandon me. And it's played up. It's all in good fun. It's Natsupoi being Natsupoi. By this point, a year after she'd come in, the whole group had kind of become more relaxed. They could joke Mm -hmm. with each other a bit more. As we we saw with ALK entrances, obviously, when they were wearing the mask and dancing. My Himapoi entrance doing the idle dance routine Micah coming out in a bear costume like it was all kind of that chill relaxed fun kind of thing and then so that that thing was all played and fun too but during the the tournament yeah they're a good team together but it's not quite clicking and then on the final night of the tag tournament there's some miscommunication it costs them the spot in the finals there's some latent frustration there and you can sense like even though they're these two are the closest and longest friends in Donna Del Mondo, because they knew each other before stardom, back when they were doing Acres Girls together. Yep. So there's a there's a lot of history between these two. And Natsupoi's looking at Himeka and kind of going, Yeah, I don't think you've got the passion that you should. You're kind of getting by just on your strength and physical. I was coming back. The passion was waiting. And then you had Hameka kind of looking at Natsupoi and calling her egotistical and self-centered and stuff. 
and it blows up all through yeah. these next couple of months. And you're looking at poor Micah in the middle going, how, how, how does she fix this? And then they get lumped in a three-way match to determine the number one contender for the Wonder of Stardom title. Of course, that's not going to go down well. Instead of working together, they cost each other a spot. Sai Kamatani wins. And as we know, that win was important for Kamatani. She goes on to win the white belt. It feels like, you know, obviously we've had this drama in Donna Del Mondo before, also involving her maker, quite funnily enough. But this is the first time I think Donna Del Mondo really felt like they were in trouble as a group. Something had to give here because they were not, didn't feel like they're going to be able to easily fix this. It really felt like one year after they had come to completion, one of these two were leaving. Yes. Uh, there was a lot of debate on who would be the one that would leave. Uh, where would this road go? Because a lot of times in stardom, the history is when something like this happened, when a beef happens between Ross, uh, stable mates, someone's got to go. Mm. But as we learned with the running of DDM and how they were as a group, they were not a they were not just like everyone else. Every, <laughs> right? Everything else is different when it comes to DDM. Yep. And my Hime Poi, as I said, broke a record that kind of gives you the spoiler alert that these two would come back together in a very unique fashion. Mm. Uh, so there was a 10 million yen trios tournament that concluded in a uh, ladder match at it, on December 18th. I don't remember the name of the show. Osaka uh, Super Wars. Thank you. Osaka Super. Oh, yeah. I forgot we had the Super Wars back in the day. Uh, <laughs> so this would ultimately become Gold Rush in a different, weird form, obviously, mm. with a big ball that hung that is hung above the ring and so on but this was the creation of that but this yes. was about the story and they had also put the titles on the line Himika um, put the titles on the line yes. specifically she put them it, on she didn't talk to the rest of her group nope. and they were like what it was the ultimate test of could this trio continue on could these two coexist come back together and by the end of the match yes like it for a for a ladder match stipulation, they did the best they could to make this about a story. Yeah. And they pulled it off perfectly. Like this is it obviously doesn't reach the levels of the Queen's Quest cage match, but this tugs at similar heartstrings because you know, obviously, like the issues are coming together. And importantly, with this type of match too, because stardom don't like to run their stipulation matches just normally you could also eliminate people from the match so if you got pinned you were technically out of the match Micah gets eliminated Mm -hmm. she i think she loses because of the moonsault off the ladder from maya watani she's out of this so it is literally the two people beefing that have to work together and they get the opportunity they sort of fight through and stuff and it's just them in the ring now conventional wisdom would say Hemaka climbs up she pulls it down they win they celebrate she actually helps lift Natsupoi up the ladder and specifically wants her to win the match. And it reminds me a lot, looking into the future, of Utami lifting Lady C out of the cage. She recognised that, look, she could go for the glory, but she does the team thing and gives that opportunity to someone else. And so Natsupoi is helped up. She pulls down what needs to be pulled down. And they celebrate. Donna Del Mondo were fine on top of the ladder. Everything's going to work out okay. 
it's a story of it's a story that I think stardom does so well, obviously, right? You're you're referencing that cage match that was so celebrated in 2023. Um, but it's a story that if you have the right wrestlers in place, it doesn't matter what the match is, they're mm-hmm. going to make it work. And I think the way this match was set up was really so perfect because it was like I remember just going into this tournament. I did not think about these three at all like in in terms of like the tournament itself and mind you they put the titles on the line in every match it wasn't just the finals Ameka <laughs> said we're putting them on the line in every match so they're getting all these free defenses at the same time uh so congratulations to them um but those eliminations in the end to get Micah out and make these two have to work together it's it's just how stardom tells stories in such a unique way that I don't think other mm. companies do. Um, but obviously the my the Mahime Poi trio, one of the most beloved trios, truthfully, in stardom history. And we'll get more to them in the next episode of this. But around this time as well, there's a lot going on in DDM. Big shock. Sure, he's getting ready for a big title match at the end of the year. And Julia's return match had been announced. She would be facing a a uh, Konami who would be on her way out of the company uh, to, and you know, we know Konami obviously would come back time and time mm. again, but she was no longer going to be a full-time competitor with the company. Julia making her grand return at stardom dream queendom. But at the same time, there are some Momo masks running around and causing havoc in the world of stardom. And that brings us to the year and the climax when it would be revealed that Julia was one of them, yes. essentially the ringleader of the Momo mask. And we'd have to wait and you'll have to wait until we really can get into that, which is an entirely new era, really, for DDM as a whole. Mm. Uh, but the Momo masks were the ones attacking. She revealed that they would be joining the group at the beginning of the new year. And that was that Julia would then of course go on to wrestle uh, a week later. But I I do want to specify for those listening who may not have been watching around this time, when we say Momo masks, we're not talking about them running out in Momo Watanabe masks, although that would have been hilarious or Momo Kogo masks. The Momo thing was, it's like a online viral character meme thing. Um, sort of like a deformed face, scary, horror, horror Halloween-looking thing. Um, yeah. I still think they should have been Momo Watanabe masks. Though. That would be pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, so that was a key part of the end of the year for Stardom mm. as well. A lot of uncertainty, but as we would learned, there would be new members of the group. But that brings us to our final destination here on this episode, and that, of course, is the first-ever Stardom Dream Queendom uh, December 29th, 2021, Julia would return earlier in the night, paying homage to Hana Kimura in her final match in her return match against Konami, who, of course, would be heading out. And obviously that would end up being such a beautiful, beautifully told match that wasn't about the Julia return, wasn't even about the Konami leaving. It ended up being about Hana Kimura. And I think that's when we finally reached the level of everyone was in on Julia, truthfully. They were just like, OK, how can we? You know, how can we dislike her? Um, and she came back with this awesome look, and it's like, oh, this is Julia, right? Yeah. This is the leader. This is the DDM leader that we saw 
get taken away all the way back at uh, all-star dream Cinderella. And later in the night, sure. He makes sure to remind everyone who has been running this ship for most <laughs> of the year by defeating you, Tommy ending the year plus long reign uh, and winning the world of stardom championship, becoming the first in DDM to do exactly that. And starting what would be a trickle effect in every way within this group. Because now, if she wasn't the leader before, she is the world of stardom champion with a returning Julia who has her confidence back. Things weren't going to last all happy and fine from there. And I think it's very important to compare this situation to the last championship situation because it's a very similar situation. Queen's Quest, Noma Watanabe is the leader. Utami Hashishista comes through, wins the World of Stardom Championship. And all the while Momo struggling to kind of assert herself. And there's a there's a breaking point. It doesn't stick. Momo leaves uh, Queen's Quest. She betrays them. She goes to Oedo Tire. And then you've got this situation. Shuri isn't the leader of the group. Julia is. But Julia's been hitting a few setbacks. She's coming in. She still believes she's the best, just like Momo believes she was the best. But here you have someone else donned in red, both in attire and in championships. And you have to start wondering... It looks good for Donna Del Mondo. Everything's working out. Natsupo and Himika have worked out the differences. They're trios champions. Julia's finally back. She's fully healthy. Shuri's a top champion. Everything's happy again in Donna Del Mondo. But for how long was always the question. Spoiler alert. Especially with Julia bringing in two new people that we did not know about. And just to further the dominance, Shuri was a triple champion at this time. She had the world of stardom championship, the SWA championship, and one half of the goddess belts. And as we'd see in the year 2022, the beauty, the excitement, the unbelievable dominance of DDM would start to be greatly affected. Everything would change from there. But that's for the next episode. For now, if hang up. For now, enjoy what is currently DDM at its tip-top shape, right? Everyone feels like they are at the max potential in many ways. Um, and momentum is on their side. Just just take that and appreciate yeah, it. Because yeah. next episode gets a lot more sad <laughs> <laughs> for this group. It uh, It's going to be tough. Because everything was right for DDM, the dominance, the greatness, and uh, we'll get to it next time around. But uh, what a what a two year run it was! It it was a dominant performance, uh, even when the cracks started to appear in this group. Uh, they painted over it very quickly. Maybe they just didn't fix those cracks, as we'll find out. The comparisons to the Jordan Bulls were not a bad one at this time. It was very much the truth, especially uh, when this year end, when this show closed out. It just felt like no one could stop DDM. Scotty Pippen didn't win no finals MVP. (laughs) No one can stop DDM except themselves, as we'd soon learn. But uh, 
That's it for this edition of the Startup Road podcast. A lot shorter than our previous episodes. We're back. We're back on theme now, everybody. You're welcome. Uh, no promises for the next two episodes. Uh, but uh, before we say goodbye, Trent, let people know where they can find you, what you got going on, and all that good stuff. You can find me on Twitter slash X at One Up Culture. Uh, if you want to hear more of me, you can hear me again on the Ocean Cyclone Show with Ryan and Scott, of course. You can hear me doing Choco Cast with Window Jeff covering all things Gatto Move. I occasionally write articles when I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood to start planning articles. Doesn't mean they'll get written, but we'll see. Um, and I'm also very excited because I'm planning to head to Japan very, very shortly. Um, that's neither here nor there but i guess follow me on twitter because i'll be posting images and talking about my time there you follow me at scotty wrestling on twitter slash x like you said ocean cyclone show go give that a listen uh by the time this episode's out hot takes hot takes will be coming out i think Based yeah, I think timing. coming out or yeah, this it'll weekend. be coming out the upcoming weekend. So definitely, yeah. you want to check that one out because it's always fun to see how wrong we are by the end of the year. And uh, occasionally, right? Yeah, sometimes we're really on the nose, and sometimes we couldn't be more off. Uh, but that's the beauty. Well, of, one of the yeah. ones where one of us was particularly off from last year heavily involved Donna Del Mondo. It sure did, and let's just say that was before that like right after was it before or after the episode happened? one week after uh <laughs> the episode aired where we discussed whether Hamaker would win a singles title before micah himaka announced her retirement i may have bet on the wrong horse yeah we could argue uh but since this is also a start on pay-per-view weekend i'll have coverage for that one way or the other uh for supreme fight if that interests you if you're listening to this months down the line ignore that <laughs> yeah yeah yes um and overall thank you for listening everybody we always appreciate it. check out the other podcasts here on the count out podcast network uh we'll be back with part two in two weeks and part three two weeks after that and so on and so forth so for trent i'm scott this was stardom road until next time see ya Every year, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame receives a new crop of potential inductees. And on our new Count Up Patreon series titled The Ballot, it's our job to discuss whether or not these newbies should become Hall of Fame wrestlers. Hello, my name is Ryan19. Every month, a guest and I will analyze the regional careers of newly balloted wrestlers for the Observer Hall of Fame. Are they day one votes? Do they belong at all? Find out on The Ballot every month on patreon.com forward slash countoutpod. Again, check out the ballot on patreon.com forward slash cannotpod. We hope to see you there. This has been a Countout Podcast.